two misguided coaches, one formidable goal. This is the Centre Pass Podcast. Well, here we are, another episode of the Centre Pass Podcast. Yeah, yeah. Two misguided coaches, one formidable goal, and you know, well into our journey now, halfway through into the second round. How you been going, mate? Yeah, it's uh, it's good to be here. It's it's going well, man. I, you know, it was a bit of a shaky start, wasn't it? It's a little bit like Bambi, you know, with very shaky legs at the beginning, but now Bambi's starting to grow up a bit more, a bit more confidence now. I think. Yeah, you know, take a few moments to learn to to walk and run as a a young deer, but. We will move into what we've got on store for us this episode, and we do have a guest this week, so oh, yeah. do stay tuned. We've got the lovely Daniel Jeffries. You're probably wondering, who is Daniel Jeffries? We're not going to tell you too much, but he is an incredible guy, incredible story as well, hey, Kim? Yeah, I think he, he fits well into what we're doing and you know really helps us promote this message for us. So we'll move straight into training this week. And look, it was another doozy. I think we've banged out another great training. You know, we're starting to find our rhythm again and, and you know the way the trainings run and work has been really good. So, you know, early on the session we set our goal for the week to work on as a team, which was composure on the turnover, which I think is something you've been, you know, very interested in and something that you like to push a lot from the early get-go much you yeah it was definitely something I was aware of having watched our previous game having seen you know the fact that we get so many turnovers in quarters sometimes we get a little bit excited throw the ball a little bit you know, there's a bit of a, a rush of adrenaline there and we just don't really end up converting them and we turn them over so that was just something I was very aware of just in terms of that greater conversion rate when it comes to getting intercepts and then scoring off that intercept as well. Yeah, it's an interesting thing with netball. You know, you get a turnover and you want to use that momentum that you get and move the ball quickly down the court because the defence is a little bit maybe offset because a part of the attacking drill. And there's a chance to sort of get behind them and sort of get the fast ball into the circle and get a goal that way. But there's also that sort of feeling around, you know, controlling it and stuff like that because it's not always a gimme and so you know I think if you liken it to something like rugby it's that breakaway moment you've got the ball in behind you know you've got two decisions you can either go for the try line and it will either pay off or or not go your way or you can slow up and wait for your team to sort of catch up to you and that you know is a you know a tough decision to make in the time but I think we're looking to try and just look to link up a bit more. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think for us, it's about trying to take the best option. And I'll talk about this in my Dear Diary segment later on. But I think for me, it was about just trying to use all three seconds when we do get a turnover. You know, let's not take the first option that we see immediately. Let's actually assess the situation, keep our heads up and work on that as a composure element rather than the most efficient element. And that's just something that we need to work on. Yeah. Uh, and so next thing I want to talk about is that you went and you ran a you ran a really good box draw, mate. I Thanks, man. Give you a bit of credit there. I think you really found your your feet running this drill and being able to extract the best out of the girls from the the drill, so they knew what they wanted to get out of it, and you're able to make small adjustments to the drill to make it harder, easier, or add in different factors. And I thought you you really came into yourself there, and I just backed off and enjoyed watching. Thanks, man. Yeah, I. 
We've spoken before, I guess, about how when it comes to tactics and strategies, I'm not the head honcho here. That's definitely your wheelhouse. But it was a really good opportunity for me to grab a drill that we've tried earlier on in the season. And I was very nervous, you know, having our first training and bringing this into the our arena, I guess. But being able to bring this through now with a bit more confidence and knowing a little bit more about what we want behind the drill, things like zonal awareness, communication, things like that, uh, really, really helped. And so there was still an element of kind of faking it till I was making it at the time. But I don't know if that'll ever truly go away. So having that as an element of training, I think it's just natural for me. Is is just as long as you communicate it strongly, people will follow it, and then that's where you can build that confidence. Yeah, mate. As you sort of said, you know, I've been sort of the tactics, and you've been sort of the man management. So I want to go into the next part around how you you know like to manage and help bring team culture and then. And mm. so one of the things that we had set up this week was a karakia. Yeah, so this is something that I was very keen to bring in. I think when it comes to the culture of a team, there's so much that te ao Māori can lend towards team culture, and it's about things such as manaakitanga, you know, promoting the, the manner of people within the team, about things like kotahitanga and unity, uh, mahitahi collaboration, all of these really key concepts in te ao Māori that really do lend themselves to not only building a team sport or a, a, a collective of athletes, but a collective of people as well. And I, I don't really know the level of te ao Māori that the athletes had in our team. So it was just a really nice opportunity for them to be introduced to some bigger concepts, uh, like you've sort of mentioned, Cam, that, that they can maybe take away as people rather than athletes. So I developed a karakia, which for us is the first thing that we do on game day. And basically it just talks about the importance of realising our potential and looking after ourselves as a whānau, um, as a family. So I think this is a really cool idea that people are already starting to really build into. Um, some really good pronunciation as well, so big shout out to the girls there. Um, but that's something that we're going to see the others now lead throughout the rest of the season as well. So yes, it's about me teaching it to them, but it's also about their agency to learn and to apply it to their own, I guess, leadership as well. Yeah, it's um, you know, it's our own special karakia, and I think the girls are taking it in with you know open hands, which is really mm-hmm. good because it helps create that, you know, that our house sort of vibe. You know, this is our house, it brings us together, and it you know helps us really build that far now. Yeah, and it absolutely makes us realise why we're doing this. You know, we're we're here to play netball, of course, but we're also here to look after each other. We're here to build as people as much as we are as athletes. So it is about that collective ownership and that collective responsibility we have to each other um, as well as to ourselves. Yeah, mate. So next thing we saw, we're moving into the sort of full kilt session at the end here. And just before we came in and we had a little group discussion about uh, centre pass defence attack or sort of centre pass defence and then maybe a more attacking way to sort of get that. And it was really cool to get the girls, you know, working off each other, with each other, Having a good discussion, bringing those things out means that the team feels open and and ready to communicate, and they build on you know the skills that they have together, and that's a great way to move themselves forward. But that was a really good way to lead us up into you know our final piece of the training, which was our full court session against you know, Uni Albion White, and I think you know we continue to to move on from the work we've done in the previous weeks. You know, it was really good. We found our links a bit more. You know, we were building up new sort of circle attack, which was KP and and Maya, who 
who really found their feet together after maybe a little bit of a you know, couple seconds and then they found their way and they worked really well together, which was really cool to see. What I really enjoyed about that attacking end combination is they spoke to each other throughout that game. So not only are we just sort of allowing them to listen to us, but it's about them finding those combinations within themselves. Who's going to go out to the ball to feed? Who's going to drive? It's all that sort of stuff which we're starting to see as well, which is, I guess, again, like you mentioned, a really good sign of the collective ownership that we have. It's not just you and I and Amanda who are the three pillars of this team. There are 11 13 pillars even and so there's a collective responsibility there which is really really cool to see yeah mate it was another week where we'd built on we'd taken the things we learned from the week before and we hadn't lost them and we'd put the next pieces into place and it looked really good you know we didn't maybe quite achieve our goal on that day of really composure on the turnover we did through pieces and then we just nearly and maybe waned a little bit there but there was a good chance to create a talking point about it Fortunately, maybe one of the sort of you know bigger ones, and I know that Amanda can take this, was Amanda threw a very long ball after it, intercept, first pass, and she just threw it straight to the opposition. And it was a good way, and I was quite happy that you know it was Amanda because I knew she could take it. It was a good way to branch what had happened and a good example of where that sort of rush of moment, you know, we had the ball for two seconds after a turnover and it was back to them. So, you know, it's a good way to sort of, show an example of why we need to just take a moment and and look to control that and progress is progress you know it's rome wasn't built in a day and these sorts of things are going to come through time just like we weren't going to go and set the world on fire in our first week this is a new team new combinations and they've only played certain ways throughout their whole career so this is a chance for them to see something different and in time hopefully we'll see that progress and that'll be a really good sign of i guess the coaching that we've given them Cam. Yeah, I, I look forward to sort of seeing how we you know, continue to build. But it was, once again, another really good training, which led really? us into a really good chance to come out again on game day. So this week we played Mac Navy, McAndrew Navy team, and it was the first week of round two, and obviously our first game in senior two as well. So we really wanted to come out and have a you know really strong game against you know them and get a, you know, our second round sort of off of a good bang i was there for the first sort of half of the game and i didn't have to run off to work so what i'll do is throw it to you much to sort of talk us through quarter by quarter breakdown before we discuss yeah so there's quite a few contextual things that we need to take into account as well this week was hyde street which if you're not in dunedin is a big student-led uh, street party that takes place in the student quarter on hyde street unfortunately for us we had three players out of our 11 who were going to this party, so that's over a quarter of our base unavailable. So we only had one sub, so we had eight players to choose from, seven obviously take the court. And so we prepared really well, we had a very good warm-up, it was a little bit delayed, parking was a bit of an issue again, so a little bit of a truncated warm-up, but it was a really, really good chance for us to get together and of course welcome back in Alex, who just joined us from the week before. And we got off to a really, really good start, Cam. The first quarter, we won nine goals to five. And so from there, we started to talk a little bit about fizz, energy, how we balance that out. The first and the third quarter were about bringing as much energy as we could. The second and the fourth were about composure. So having a bit more tunnel vision, being a bit more switched on to shorter options rather than the adrenaline that comes from fizz where we start to maybe get a bit more intense, throw a few more kind of... I, you know, we start to get a bit more high energy. 
In the second quarter, we drew eight all, so we took a half-time score of 17 goals to 13. At this I point, obviously, Cam, uh, this is when you hit it off, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I think at this point, and I think that second quarter, you know, 8-8, eight, eight, you know, even quarter, I think it was actually a big one for us to come out of that as an even quarter. I think, if I remember correctly, they kind of got the the head start in that quarter and we were a little bit under the pressure from the, the get-go. But we managed to fight and we stayed in that fight throughout the whole quarter and managed to bring it back with a few few in a row near the end there to just, you know, hold on to that lead we'd built from the quarter, you know, first quarter. Exactly right. We went into the third quarter having spoken to the girls about bringing that energy back. The third quarter for us has always been one that has been labelled championship quarter. It's a chance for them to go back out there with a lot more energy, disrupt play, disrupt the flow of the opposition, and just really start to build back into that high intensity that we really pride ourselves on and why we call ourselves the fizz. The third quarter was an interesting one though. It ended up at eight all, so that we took in a three-quarter time score of 25 goals to 21. We held this four-goal lead. We led from wire to wire at this point, and there was a little bit of nervousness, I think. I think the players at this point felt that they were probably actually trailing the game because there was just so much possession from them, and while we would score reasonably quickly, they would take a little bit more time to get the ball through the hoop and disrupt any turnovers and the like. So it was a really interesting quarter, but when we got the team back together for that final quarter, we said to them, it's about composure here. Let's just make sure we play short passes so that we don't have any opportunity to give them the opportunity to get that momentum back. And that's exactly what we did. We played our best quarter of the game. Uh, It was 9-6, which when you think about the amount of energy that the other team is looking to bring, they're a very, very good team, I must admit. McNavy had won... Uh, senior three were promoted to senior two, so they'd come in with some momentum. We could see how that momentum was building in that final quarter, but we managed to hold it clear just by having a bit more composure. We won the last quarter 9-6, final score 34 goals to 27, first win in senior two. Yeah, awesome way to sort of carry on the momentum from the week before, mm. two wins in a row, you know, our biggest win of the season and also the most goals we've scored in the season as well, so the energy there was you know really good and I think it was a good chance for us to realize how much we've grown because I think in the earlier part of the season you know why we played really well as a team I think the part we really struggled to sort of do was just kind of put the final nail in the coffin when we had the ball and, and you know either get it just to the circle or or get it in and so being able to score goals really nicely is is a really good sign for our growth absolutely and can I just acknowledge of course um, Caitlin, who had an unbelievable game um, shooting two buzzer beaters throughout the game, which is just unbelievable. All of the team that weren't playing, you know, counted down from the sidelines with 10 seconds to go so that she knew she had three seconds to shoot. She'd shoot, and then by the time zero was up, two extra goals. And those two extra goals really took the took the stuffing out of the other team, I think. Yeah, I think that sort of thing is important. And being aware of those game situations, you know, we talk about winning moments and so if you think about, I'm not sure which quarters they were. Was it quarters three and four, or quarters two and two and three? Two and three, I think. Yeah. yeah, two and three. And so you know, those two quarters to bring them back to even and level pegging really important. Absolutely. To keep that momentum up and to hold on to that lead we'd sort of built up there. Mm. Obviously, you know, I wasn't there for the whole game, but I thought for us it looked really classy. You know, the the performance looked very tidy. 
there wasn't a lot of mistakes and when we did you know lose the ball we worked really hard to to get it back and i felt like the the shooting circle and the attack was starting to really combine and and we were starting to hit the, the things we've been working on like hit the circle edge and the the feeds were looking really strong and stuff like that so it was a really it was a really cool game to watch you know even though i didn't get to see the whole thing there i think you're i think you're bang on i know you only got to see half of the game but I don't think I could have put it any better myself. Very professional performance, I thought. A very composed performance when it needed to be, but they also lifted the energy at exactly the right moments to make sure they wrestle those key moments. And then, of course, just some clutch shooting in there as well. All in all, a pretty professional performance. Yeah, exactly. But now, speaking of maybe not so professional, mate, I, I've been oh. told, a little word of the wise, that there was another <sighs> Machu's mishap this week. Yes, there was. Okay, let's just get to Machu's mishap, shall we? Okay, um, so yeah, obviously this happened while you were away, but I was taking score uh, for our team as as I had to as part of the obligations, and I was right by uh, a bit of play where the ball had just gone out of court, and so a Mac Navy player was throwing the ball back into the the court, I guess you'd call it, and our goal attack came in, intercepted it, and slapped it down, and unfortunately the ball has bounced down and then back up into my groin uh, because at the time I was crouched down. Your royal jewels. Uh, Sorry, what? Your royal jewels, man. (laughs) Oh, goodness me. Um, So, yeah, I was was crouching down because I was – I must have just picked up that ball and given it to the player. And then all of a sudden, you know, I was on my knees – and uh, yeah, it had hurt for a wee while there. Netball's not known for being small um, and forgiving, so very painful moment. But again, I just sat there while uh, all of the McAndrew Navy team were to my right watching on. Uh, poor Maya, who, who slapped the ball, apologised during the game. And I think it was a nice little moment to ease a bit of tension for our girls. And hey, at the end of the day, we got the dub. I would... I would take a netball to the groin like that again if it meant we got the win. I'll just say that. Oh, awesome teamwork then from you, mate. Yeah. Yeah, that's the good aggression that we've been teaching our girls, you know, slap <laughs> it down hard. Um, no, it was a really good week for us again and the game was really good. So, you know, obviously, you know, we've been learning a lot. So we'll move into our segment now, Dear Diary. Mm. Now, for the new listeners, Dear Diary is our segment where we talk about what we've learned from the, you know, the last week or two between episodes. And so this week, mate, I sort of had my dear diary as the importance of letting, you know, the the team have discussions and and being involved with these discussion, discussions, mm. like the, yeah. the centre pass um, defence one, also certain things around like I've taken the shooters away to the sideline and and sort of said how are we going to play together, you know, how do you guys want to play to attack, you know, the shooting circle, make sure they have those discussions, but being being a part of it to sort of be able to help out if there is anything we need to. I think it's been a good way to help, you know, get involved without being over controlling as well. Yeah, leadership is interesting, isn't it? A lot of people think leadership is from the top down or it's from the bottom up. But the model that I think we're starting to see here is that we have top down and we have bottom up as well. So leadership in our team doesn't look like three people barking at people, which I think I touched on before, but it's actually 13 people who have their own say and feel like they've got the space to have that say as well. Yeah, it's um just for our listeners at home. It's quite funny watching Machu speak when we're doing oh. these audio podcasts because he speaks with his hands even though no one can see him. So I'm but, doing this to help you. I'm, uh, 
I'm pointing so that you know when it's your turn. No, no, don't talk about that. It's the oh. part before you showed me the top down part. Oh, with yeah. Your hands. <laughs> you know, all the other podcasts, but yeah, like. So um, embarrassing. Right. What was your, your little dear diary for this well, week? Well, I feel like I've got a new one now. Stop being visually <laughs> a visual speaker. Um, no, my one is I think I touched on it uh, before on accident, but for me, the last quarter when we had two goal, two quarters in a row that were eight all and could start to feel some momentum. The key thing for me that I learned was when teams are looking to chase that momentum and they're going to bring that ferocity, they're going to bring that intensity, the really important thing here is controlling the momentum that you have. And the best way to do that is not from throwing passes from one third to another. It's actually just about keeping the ball in tight, close and controlled. So you can go back, go back to go forward. You know, every second that you have the ball is a second that they don't have it and is another second that they will not be able to get the momentum that they need to close out a game or to come from behind or whatever. So composure isn't necessarily just about building our way through the court. It's about match awareness and knowing that we are so close and anything we do from here on can invite the other team in to wrestle that momentum away. So short passing, composed passing, not only helps us to build our momentum, it allows the other team no opportunity to take that momentum away and to get their own momentum as well. Yeah, it's always a tough one trying to find your balance between, you know, playing your own style of game and then being aware of where the game is at. You know, often teams will talk about each quarter, you know, it's nil all, nil all, nil all. But, you know, sometimes if you do have a bit of a lead, coming into that fourth quarter, the smart thing to do is to play with the understanding that, you know, the more time you have the ball, the less time they have the way to steal that lead away from you. But I think we've been doing a really good job of sort of controlling that as we've built into these games as well. So without any sort of, you know, further ado, let's get into our little interview with Daniel Jeffries, who, and I think he was a really good one for us because he does fit into our sort of, our sort of, you know, mold of what we're trying to do here for the one for the community, but, you know, for netball and all sports in general. And so, so won't hold you up any longer. Here's our interview with Daniel Jeffries. You're listening to the Centre Pass Podcast. Our next guest is someone who's helped to blaze a trail for men's and mixed netball here in Aotearoa. What started as a chance for Daniel Jeffries to fill in for his partner, his netball team, has seen him don the black jersey for Aotearoa men back in 2018. Since then, he's captained the side from goal attack over the last couple of years, including to their famous series win over the Silver Ferns back in 2019. He's also played a key role off the court in pushing for greater respect for men's and mixed netball here in Aotearoa and overseas. He's also just been named in the Aotearoa men's squad for 2022 as they prepare for another series featuring the Silver Ferns in just over a month. We're stoked to have Daniel here with us fly from the mighty Kapiti Coast. So Daniel, thanks for joining us and welcome to the Centre Pass podcast. Welcome, mate. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thanks. Um, thanks for coming down, Dan. First off, Daniel, I'd just like to ask, you know, how did you, you get into netball? Obviously, it's sort of mentioned a little bit there that you helped out with uh, your partner's netball team there. And how did that sort of grow into, to, you know, playing competitive netball? Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a story. So I obviously, I've got three sisters, so I obviously grew up around a bit of netball. Like I knew enough about it. My mum loved the sport. Um, but it wasn't until I was um, just out of college that I started playing a bit of social netball with my partner at the times team and just kind of, you know, fell in love with the, the speed and athleticism of the game and um, 
I just got into basketball as well, so enjoyed shooting. And then, yeah, I got approached by a couple of friends who played men's netball up this way and asked me to go and trial. Uh, so I was like, well, why not? Sounds like a bit of fun. Um, ended up being a backup shooter for the B team for their men's club uh, when I went to my first ever nationals. Um, just absolutely loved it. Couldn't have, like, I've never enjoyed a sport as much as I did when I first turned up to that nationals. And about three weeks after that, I moved to Australia and managed to get involved in the scene over there. Um, and that's where I guess my netball competence kind of grew. Um, they've got a much more um, professional environment around competitive men's and mixed grades over there, um, just week, as a weekly competition, which we don't have here yet. And that kind of gave me the, the opportunity to really learn and develop. And it kind of just blossomed from there through Australian state teams and then eventually the, making the New Zealand team in 2018. Good as in, and the rest, as they say, is history. But I guess in terms of even from 2018 to now, there's been so much that's changed for the national setup. And, and you know, you look at the amazing work that I guess the New Zealand Māori, uh, sorry, the New Zealand Mixed and Men's Nebel Association has done into pushing that space, things like pathways, policies, and then there's even now a high-performance squad. What, what are some of the biggest things that have changed for you even since you've started in that national setup? I think the biggest change for us has been perception. I think until we kind of got the audience that we that we got through the Cadbury series, there wasn't, you know, there, there was always a perception of uh, males being really physical and really um, dangerous to play with because when, and it came up when the Cadbury series was first announced, people were worried about them getting hurt leading into the World Cup and all of that kind of stuff. But I think that's from people turning up and, only ever seeing guys play at their local social mix competitions who have no idea how to play and it kind of gave us the ability to be seen and for play for um, people to see that we could actually play netball it wasn't just you know a bunch of athletic guys running around throwing rugby passes and um, from there people have really taken an interest in the sport I know the the men's versus men's game that was on tv not long ago got some really good tv viewership um, and it's only going to continue to go, grow from there because you know, while the it's the same sport, men definitely play the game slightly differently. And I'll get Cam to sort of touch on that a bit later on, but I guess that's the one thing that I was quite keen to touch on as well. We even had a question from our audience not that long ago around our thoughts on the perception of netball as a, quote, women's game, unquote. And, and we've seen, haven't we, Cam, just this massive explosion, even in Dunedin, that there's now a weekly competition that's going on down here. Uh, there's a lot more visibility TV-wise. But what about the conversations like that? Are you seeing a lot more conversations shift a little bit in terms of being solely a, a game for women? I think it definitely is, especially in the younger generation, because it, I guess a bit more, uh, it's seen a lot more frequently for them. Um, but I think the biggest thing is that like there are the conversations are, are prim primarily positive now. Whereas I think there was a lot of neutral conversations around men and netball. They're primarily positive conversations. I know uh, there's all, there's still some perceptions to change and we still have um, in our local competition up here, there are still some people who are really unsure and uneasy on it. But as we continue to, to do what we do, which, you know, everything we've done with our association is really values driven. And it's about playing the game the right way and in the right spirit and making sure it's not we're not just doing it for us, but we're helping to develop others as well. And I think as people see that, 
um, you know, the, that whole perception is just going to continue to change. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, as you mentioned a little bit earlier there, you know, you sort of talked about there's a difference in the style and the way that men and women play. And obviously you've played against the men, you've played mixed competitions, you've played against the top top level of New Zealand netball and the women's side and, and all that, and you know, across many different styles. Do you want to elaborate a little bit on those differences of how it feels when you're playing sort of men's netball versus women's netball and maybe how that's maybe sort of developed over the years a little bit? A lot of people talk about how they think that the woman playing the men's has also helped the women develop their own game as well. Yeah, it's. I, I think what would surprise a lot of people is that the women are actually a lot more physical to play against than the men just because of the way that they're coached from such a young age to be able to find the body when they're making moves, be really structured in the movements that they make. They intentionally engage the body a lot more than men do when you're playing, especially defensively. Whereas in the men's game, it's very fast. It's very, um, you know, high. It's a lot of shoulder passes. It's about, you know, one, two, three down court. And defensively, it's very man on as well in the men's game, whereas women generally play a bit more of a, a structured kind of zonal um, defense through court. And I think you're seeing a lot of that through the ANZ Premiership this year, especially, which slows the game down uh, quite a lot. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, when you start to see different styles develop? Because I know, Dan, you've spoken about this before in previous interviews, haven't you, where I guess that first series, uh, the first Cabri series that you guys played, it was all about just getting it to these seven-footers who are putting in the easy shot. But then it was about you guys being able to develop a different style, I guess, that was a little bit easier for people to sort of see and to understand that men's netball not only has a place, but it has its own particular flavour as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the last series in particular was really different for us in the way that we had to approach it because with all of the the COVID lockdowns and everything, we weren't able to access a lot of the players that we had had in the past. So not only did it um, give us the opportunity to blood some some young players into the side, but it meant we had to play a really different style of game. Um, and I thought we showed, especially in that series, just how well we can match it when we do play that really um, fast, controlled, uh, sorry, that, that kind of controlled nature of game, um, which we haven't had to do so much in the past. Yeah, I know that, um, like you said, there's there's some really good viewership that's now starting to emerge now, not just within these international games, but these kind of one-off ANZ men's premiership, call it what you will, kind of, standalone exhibition games I'm not sure what the complete terminology is I'll probably get that right one day but you know obviously we'd love to see that continue to grow and to be fostered but I guess the the thing that I'm really also keen to hear from you about Dan is obviously you've got a really big push here don't you for trying to obviously try to push for inclusion of netball into the Olympics in 2032 I know you've spoken about that in the past but how important do you think is this team this Aotearoa men's team to showcase to um, you know future potential players, obviously, but maybe for coaches and stuff like that as well, so that they don't see netball purely in one kind of space, not just for women to coach or for others to coach. It's about everyone having the opportunity both to play but also to coach as well. Yeah, I think you make a really good point there because while netball has very long been seen as a women's sport, I think men have always had a really important role to play in it. 
and I think that's being opened up even more with the with the visibility that's being created now. I think it's far more common to see um, male coaches who, it, like it, it was never uncommon to see male coaches down at the court because they spend a lot of time coaching daughters' teams and, you know, umpiring daughters' teams. And it's becoming more common now for them to continue that on and not just finish when their girls stop playing, but, you know, they're really enjoying it. They're seeing that there is a space for men in the game and they are continuing that on to a higher level. With your coaching setup with the Altero, I mean, I'm sorry, it's a little bit of a side thing. What do you have there? Like, is it, you know, do you have a, a male coach, you have a female coach? So it's been, it's kind of changed over the last few series, but our la, the la, two coaches at our last series were both males. Um, David Palamo, who's been in netball for, you know, pretty much his whole life. And, you know, he does a lot of work with Netball New Zealand with the umpiring, was our head coach. And then we had uh, Dion Tefetu as well, who um, coaches the, I think he coached the Singapore women's team um, and coaches some some club teams locally in Wellington as well. The other thing I kind of wanted to touch on is, you know, in doing a bit of research uh, for today, you know, the New Zealand Men's and Mixed Netball Association have quite a lot of Māori that's kind of embedded into the way that they talk about the team, the, the way that they have it as part of their culture. I know the Silver Ferns obviously do something similar. Is that a very mindful thing that you uh, that the team is doing or is it something that kind of takes a leader to then bring in and then everybody buys into that? I think that's always been part of the culture of uh, New Zealand men's and mixed netball. I think it's a, a huge part because New Zealand men's and mixed culture, culture has always been about inclusion both from a, um, you know, including males as well as being a really culturally inclusive area. Um, so it, it, inclusivity has always been a huge part of what they do. And I think the ability for the organisation to embrace our Indigenous culture has been such a huge part. I know um, for the last Cadbury series, they got the, the uniforms were all blessed um, before they were given out to players and we had a cool ceremony around it. I and mean, I think that just shows, you know, how much they drive that side of the, of the culture within the organisation. Thanks, Stan. Like, obviously, you've been doing an excellent job in one, promoting the sport of netball, but also just breaking down those barriers for, you know, men and, and anyone to sort of um, come into the sport. And I think it's a important message, not just for netball, but for any sport and how that affects, you know, community health, just getting people active and stuff like that. So uh, we, we do applaud your efforts around that and what you do. And we do wish you the best of luck for your upcoming series as well. Yeah, if I can jump in on that, actually, I, I wanted to also applaud you for, for not only doing this for the growth of netball here in New Zealand, but it's a very conscious thing that's going on, I guess, to hold not only New Zealand's uh, sport holders to account, but the International Federation as well. And, and it's a chance for them to really see the growth of what's happening here in, in New Zealand, not just with you know New Zealand Men's and Mixed, but also with the Silver Ferns and hashtags like Netball for All uh, that I guess are, are really starting to prod the Federation into maybe seeing the right thing to do. So uh, really, really excited to see what the next few years look like. And, and you've been a big part of that, um, Dan. So thank you for joining us. Best of luck for this uh, the quad series that features New Zealand A, Aotearoa Men, the Silver Ferns, and of course, the International Mixed team, which would be very interesting to see. Go well for that, Dan. And thanks very much for joining us on the podcast. Awesome. Thank you for having me. You're listening to the Centre Pass podcast. Oh, that was awesome to you know have a chat to Daniel there. Obviously, you know, very calm, 
he, he spoke really well about some factors that we've been trying to work on and you know he's doing a lot of work in this space for you know netball men's netball mixed netball and really you know working on getting that sort of respect that it deserves absolutely and in fact it's also probably just worth acknowledging alicia rogers as well as partner who allowed us to speak with him but also is a driving force in her own right um, up there in the Kapiti Coast with um, the Men's and Mixed Netball Association up there. So both to Alicia, uh, but also, of course, to Daniel, thank you very much for your time and for just the passion that you have for the space and the massive, like you say, Cam, groundswell, I think, of stuff that we're starting to see now as well. You know, it's no mean feat, and it comes from a lot of people like you two who are putting in the mahi big time. So big wish to you guys. Yeah, you know, obviously... Alicia is a fan, so also thank you very much for, one, listening and enjoying the podcast. We always love to hear that sort of feedback. But also, yeah, you guys have done awesome work for something that we think is really important around, you know, getting more people involved and and sort of pushing for that, you know, recognition there because you guys do a lot of hard work and that grows the game. And whether it's, you know, growing men's mixed or women's netball, you know, it all does its own piece there. Exactly, mate. Exactly right. Right, so now we'll move into our last segment, our new segment, the situation where we give you a rundown of what has been happening, where we stand on the leaderboard and stuff like that. So, you know, we've just finished week one of the second round, our first game in Senior 2, and we finished that with our seven-goal difference win, which put us at the top of the leaderboard, mate. Top of the tree, top of the mountain, happy to be here. Early doors, though. Yeah, we've got a lot more work to do, and obviously you know, we worked really hard, and the, the way we were able to close out that game meant that we were able to get a you know seven-goal difference win, which put us on t- first with the goal difference versus the other teams. All the other teams had very close wins, so uh, I think only one team didn't get a bonus point from the week. And the losing side, which was the team we versed, so you know, obviously very tight, so... You know, competition in senior two. So I'm going to have to keep pulling out these performances to continue on. So our next game is against Eastern Gold mm. at 9 a.m. Edgar Center on the 11th of June. So obviously another early one for us. And this team is second on the ladder. So they had a free goal win against College Green, which we played in our last round before we came down. And we had a, I think, a four or five goal lead uh, win against, or was it six goal win against them? So, you know, Hopefully a little bit of momentum on our side, but we have a you know good tough game to come out and sort of close out if we need to. Right, so that's sort of our episode for the week, but we do have a little bit of feedback, do we, much of this week? Yeah, so I've got a few questions here. I'm ready to throw them your way, Cam. First one here is from Netfit, the Netfit NZ account on Instagram. Thank you very much for the work you guys do as well, by the way. They ask, what's your favourite Netfit video? Ooh. It's a very, very good question. That is a really good question. I've been spending a lot of time on the coaching and attacking strategies page, and uh, I really like the drill, the live ball drill, because it's Mm. it's a really good one at just building combinations. It's a hard work one. You've got to work hard. You can run it for a very long time, and you you can adjust it in a lot of ways to make it work for you and stuff like that so i think that's one that i i've watched a lot of times to think about yeah nice man i think for me my favorite is one that's just come on actually from friend of the show i love saying that friend of the show dame nolene todua 
and she has one there around turning fully, and it's just more of a reminding uh, one for us so that we can teach properly and about turning fully. So it's the turning fully video. It's one of 10 videos that are coming onto the NetFit app over the next sort of few weeks, I imagine. So there are two or three up there at the moment. And this one here, turning fully, that's my favorite one at the moment. But my favorite drill has to be that box drill that I did last week that was so well received and went really, really well. So very happy with that one. If you're happy with me, Cam, I'll keep going. Yeah, keep going, mate. Kapai, okay. Another one here from Says D. Real random non-netball questions. Love to see it. If you were a kitchen appliance, what would you be and why? Kitchen appliance and why? Kitchen appliance and why? Well, thank you very much. One of the great questions. Says <laughs> reaching out and getting in touch for you know some thought-provoking you know stuff at the end here. I think for me, this is like, obviously you don't really have much time to think about it. I reckon I'd be a whisk. Right, do you want to do you have any way of explaining that one? Well. I, sometimes I'm pretty good at stirring. Oh, you're a pot stirrer. Bit of a stirrer, but also I'm a bit of a whisk taker. Mm. <laughs> Gosh, now, now the listeners at the current moment, but you and I are in COVID uh, isolation. We're both yeah. sick. So we apologize for if we do sound a little bit off, but I've been dealing with that for most oh, of the week. On. So, you know, give, don't say that. Give a little thought, a little thought to no. me for this week. No, don't give him any no. thoughts. It's no been, thoughts for him. It's been a very nice time to spend here with you. It's look, such if, a liar. Um, look, if I was to be a kitchen appliance, I was thinking maybe something like a, 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 a toaster, mate. And don't ask me why, but that's just where I, I feel I lie. Well, that's a very interesting one. All right. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. <clears throat> Obviously, thanks to everyone for that feedback. You know, you can get in touch with us on center underscore pass underscore NZ on Instagram, center pass podcast on Facebook and center dot pass dot NZ at gmail.com. Three ticks. Yeah. And, you know, obviously I think we announced in the the week that we are now on Apple podcast. So if you do prefer to listen there and you've been listening on Spotify or RSS, then feel free to you know shift over there with there now. You can find us, I think center pass exclamation mark is the easiest way to sort of find us there and so once again thank you for all our fans for listening you know we love hearing your feedback we love hearing stories like like when you know we've inspired someone to take on coaching and stuff like that so do let us you know let us hear about all that stuff it's great for our ego you know just all that pumping up that we we love to get but you know it's good to hear about the differences that this can make and maybe gives us a chance to branch some topics that you know we didn't maybe think about as well yeah correct love that but thank you very much for listening all the way through i hope you've enjoyed the episode bye for now thanks for listening to center pass check out center underscore pass underscore nz on social media and on spotify for more